Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Taking a look at the issues surrounding the health and well-being of our LGBTIQ plus communities. This is Well, 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 brought to you by the team from Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. Here on Well, 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 you're with Jack and Michael, and we're now joined by uh, Caitlin Ellenmore. You've got two last names. I can never <laughs> decide which one's the last one. Um, and Mary Angley, who are working on a few shows coming to Melbourne Fringe. Um, thank you both for joining us. I guess um, before we get into the shows themselves and I guess what it's like to be back at, at Melbourne Fringe after what I can only imagine is an extended period uh, away in, in the same sort of intimate sense. Um, Caitlin, do you mind getting uh, into a little bit of uh, what your work, if you, I mean, in a short period of time, what, what your work is. Yeah, cool. Um, so I'm a freelance creative producer working a lot in theatre and audio. Um, and Mary Angley is actually the first artist that I've independently produced for. Uh, so a lot of the work that I've stumbled across and happened to produce at the moment tend to focus in the space of being led by queer artists um, and kind of about queer issues and queer themes um, and also doubling a lot in the climate crisis. Um, yeah. And Mary, what, is- what about yourself? Yeah, um, so I studied as a director um, and then came out of directing school uh, into a pandemic and so spent my first year out as uh, an artist working alone in a room and uh, as a result of that started making my first solo show and because I couldn't have actors in the space with me, I'm like, cool. I'm an actor now as well. Um, and so, yeah, actually, that's how um, Grief Lightning was initially created. So I call myself a theatre maker, trained as a director, but I also write and perform. Jack of all trades, all of us in the room, absolutely. One. <laughs> um, I, I guess let's get started with um, Grief Lightning, because that is your solo show, Mary, I guess. Um, what do you explore in that show? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I started from this Reddit conspiracy that I found, um, and it's a conspiracy theory that the entire film of Greece uh, is happening within Sandy's mind as like a coma fantasy as she's drowning in the opening beach sequence of Greece. Um, so I was obsessed with that theory. I think it works so well. I think it explains so much weird shit that happens in Greece. Um, but I was kind of left wondering like, okay, well, if it is a coma fantasy that Sandy is having, why is she having such an awful time throughout the film? Um, and so working from that, I kind of adopted this like exiled, disgraced academic character who is working meticulously hard uh, to try and defend the theory and try and find loopholes and ways that we could explain it. Um, and it goes into like really, really queer spaces. Strange stuff starts happening. Um, I get the PowerPoint custom animations involved. It's a good, weird time. <laughs> Importantly, do you use Star Wipe? Yes. Star Wipe. Oh, you better believe we use Star Wars. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> the, the 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 pivotal moment in a in a PowerPoint it, presentation is the Star. The two wipe. things I need is Star Wipe <laughs> and Word Art. Um, yeah, we have Word Art. Yes, stunning. yeah, you're gonna Clippy. love the show. If if Clippy makes an appearance, <laughs> instead of the dancing like hot dog and popcorn, it's Clippy dancing across the. If you could factor that in for another run, I, I'll be along to see. I've got tech it. in an hour. I reckon I can make it happen. Just for you. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, now I love a like 
a bonkers kind of like Reddit theory. So you've, you've already hooked me in. Um, mm. I really like the um, Snow White dies at the end Reddit Reddit theory. So um, yeah, yeah. There's like there's a whole Reddit conspiracy about that. That could be a second show. I'm just I'm just putting that out there. No. Um, so can, many you, ideas. can you take us just a, a little bit down that rabbit hole of what mm. some of these kind of conspiracy theories kind of put in place for this kind of narrative to take place? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, like there's the idea that okay, well if if it's really happening, then why does the car fly off at the end? Why is Frenchie visited by an angel with a toxic attitude towards sex workers? You know, like why is why are they singing? Um, yeah, and so from there, it's sort of like, how could it not be a coma fantasy? And if it's not Sandy's coma fantasy, maybe it's Danny's coma fantasy. And I won't spoil the ending, but we look at like, okay, who dies at the slumber party? Who dies in the car race? Who dies at the beach? Um, and just explore all possible options there. What's it like for you as a, as a producer, Caitlin, to hear, I imagine, all of these sort of like pretty <laughs> full on, I'm going to say, uh, thoughts, feelings and emotions, uh, you know, and, and trying to run with that and craft that into something that won't terrify people and get them running out the door? Ooh, it's, it, it's exciting. I remember the first time Mary and I talked about it and they told me the idea and I was like, cool. And then going away and reading the script at like 7 a.m. in the morning, literally going through some of the scenes and being like, what the fuck is this? I am so on board. And I think it's almost lent itself to be a really easy show to produce and get people in. Because one, everybody has a Greece story at this point. They've either seen it or they've heard the songs. They've been at a wedding and the Greece like mash medley has shown up. So they have some sort of familiarity with it. And then to bring in internet theory, which if you look at our generation, everyone has some sort of connection to that. And to mesh the two together in this weird little Venn diagram, almost plays into the space of being able to have some fun and take some rest and let's just be like half people to take an hour to go on this crazy journey with us because who knows what the fuck will happen it's fine we're all in it together you walk out the building's on fire fantastic great success um (laughs) exactly i I guess on that note what were some of the um like feedback that you got from previous runs of the shows because melbourne fringe won't be the first time that it's run um Mm. and and has that potentially affected what we'll see at melbourne fringe um, I need to tell you that okay, at the very beginning of the lecture, I define my parameters and I say that I will not be talking about the film Grease 2. And originally I said, because it's an abomination and a stain <laughs> on the good name of Grease. Um, but I've since had queer people coming up to me being like, look, totally get it, totally get it. However, Grease 2 was like my lesbian awakening when I saw that like cool rider song that Michelle Pfeiffer performs. And so I've now had to add caveats and be like, look, if, if this was your queer awakening, fine, but it's still an abomination. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, uh, it's an abomination, but also Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. You know? mm. um, so that's definitely affected it. Um, but to answer your question in a marketing way, um, we've had very, very strong positive responses. Um, shortlisted for the Queer Playwriting Award and some like very strong reviews and people just coming up and being like, I will never watch the film Grease the same way again. And whether that's for better or worse, like I'm very happy about that. <laughs> You were saying a little bit earlier that the, the the presentation kind of taps into Greece in these kind of queer ways mm. or to, uh, puts a queer lens over it. What are some of those ways that the, the production taps into kind of a queer energy? Yeah, yeah. Um, so in amongst the lecturing, sometimes the lecturer just like 
seance modes into Danny and Sandy's heads. And we start like first person narrating what is going on in their minds as like Danny sings with the T-Birds while they upgrade the car or like Sandy is at the slumber party with the pink ladies. And look, I don't want to spoil it for you. I don't want to spoil it. Um, But like going inside the minds of these like iconic characters and just like suggesting they're having these very weird, very poetic, very fluid thoughts um, is a really fun queer space to be playing in. Good stuff. Um, so that that is indeed one of the shows that uh, yeah. you're uh, running during Melbourne Fringe. Um, you're invited to my son you're Samuel's. You're all invited you're all to inv- my son Samuel's fourth, fourth birthday, birthday party. party. And you have to say the whole title, otherwise we won't know what you're talking about. Okay, cool. Say, <laughs> say it one more time so people can just... Yep. You're all invited to my son Samuel's fourth birthday party. If you Google Samuel's fourth birthday party, Melbourne Fringe, it does come up there. Okay, good. Um, we won't accidentally turn up to some uh, poor some kid's birthday kids. party. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, who are you? What are you doing here? This is my child. It's fine. Um, I'm, I mean, the, the most present question, who's Samuel? Mm, mm. Um, Samuel is all of us. Uh, from a producer's point of view, very difficult to get a child on stage in a fringe season. Um, so what this work does is it's all done in second person narration, which is a very niche grammatical form um, where we address the audience and we say, you are Samuel, it's your fourth birthday party. You are nearly four years old. And then we go all through these experiences that Samuel is happening, uh, having uh, at the fourth birthday party. So it's kind of this like visceral way of storytelling where you're getting the audience to feel what it would be like to be a four-year-old boy. Um, where did it come from? And I'll also point out as well, this show mm. isn't a, a, a solo of yours, Mary. You're also with um, someone else on stage. Who are they? And I guess what's their background? What are they bringing to the show? Yeah, yeah. So I work with Yoz Mensch, who is a queer performer. Um, they're from Adelaide as well. Uh, they have a background in kind of like stand-up comedy and theatre as well. Um, they bring this sort of just incredible, really poetic, rhythmic energy um, to the character of Samuel's father. Um, uh, interestingly, we're, we're both non-binary. And so kind of in performing this show, it's kind of like we're both in drag as the most heterosexual couple you've ever seen. Uh, it's like, it's so straight, it's gay, basically. I was going to say, it's always fun when you... I, uh, anyone that is, uh, in, in my experience, sort of transgender uh, mm-hmm. or non-binary or maybe a little bit more fluid as well. Gender fuckery is always what comes yeah. up, right? Um, yeah. I, I imagine that's something that you play with pretty violently in, in, in the show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I have the most horrendous wig that I wear. It's like this sort of like short Karen-esque kind of bob cut. Um, and people come up to me after the show. I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't realize it was a wig. And I'm like, I'm horrified by that. <laughs> <laughs> that's my nightmare. <laughs> uh, and... I love that concept of, uh, particularly for those like queer folk playing mm. straight characters, putting on that kind of like equivalent straight drag. Mm. Um, do people who are non-queer coming to see the production uh, do do they understand that lens? Do they do they see themselves being satirized, or are they like, oh, that's you're just playing a straight character? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. I've never spoken to a straight person after performing my show. <laughs> <laughs> So you've got the right people there. That's all that matters. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's a very, very queer audience that we bring in. But yep. Caitlin might have something to say yeah. about I had a couple of relatives come and see the story, Samuel. And, like, the context, so, like, there's my aunt and uncle, and one of them's, like, Irish uh, and Australian, and the other one's, like, Italian Greek. And they came and saw the show, and they both walked out of it and couldn't talk to me for a little bit afterwards because my aunt 
didn't understand any of it. And when she finally told me about it, she was like, Look, I like the lying thing. This it went straight over my head, blah, blah, blah. But her partner, my uncle, loved every moment of it. Didn't understand what the fuck was going on, but was there for the ride and was like laughing at all the jokes and got all the like capitalist sort of mindset spaces. But I don't think he understood any of the gender fuckery. But they were they were on board. So from a straight audience, they're there for the ride. I just don't think they fully understand it. I mean, I, that's that's kind of to be expected, though. I guess with um, when you have anyone could walk through that door, anyone could get tickets, mm. right, and come along. And so, like as uh, my understanding is, an all queer production and and you know like um, presenting crew, you're like, well. The question is, do you necessarily want to account for straight people walking through that door and crafting mm. that experience? Or do you want to maybe, uh, it's not that the two are mutually exclusive, mm. but kind of lean into um, more of the inside jokes, more of the, the be more raw that might take yeah. people from outside of the community uh, a little bit uh, off guard, I guess. It, is that part of um, mm. that conversation? I, I mean, imagine between you two as, as the, the talent and the producer. Yeah. I feel like the goal is almost to be a bit like what uh, Disney does, where like there's a there's a layer for the kids and then there's a layer for the adults. So I think there's a layer for the queer people and then there's a layer for the straight folk. Um, I think it's definitely a show written with a queer audience in mind. It does like really interesting things with like warping identity and space mm. and time. Um, but ultimately you want it to be a show that can be watched and like understood on some level by anyone. Yeah, ultimately, it's for the girls, gays and theys. <laughs> uh, you were saying that um, for Grief Lightning, it was kind of born out of kind of tumbling down a bit of a Reddit conspiracy theory hole. Where was um, where was uh, Samuel kind of birthed out of, I guess? Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd wanted to do a show about birthday parties for a long time. Um, and for a while, I was planning it as this kind of naturalistic sort of uh, set up. Um, with, you know, like two characters and like maybe there is someone playing the child and we sort of watch them have all these birthdays through time. And I quite cracked it open. Um, but then two things happen. Firstly, like Elon Musk and Grimes entered the news, um, which gave us this whole other narrative thread that we've taken off with. I'll, I'll get to that later. And then the second thing happened, which was like working out that we should address the audience of Samuel and start like talking in this really, really poetic kind of way. Um, and for me, that was when the idea really cracked open. We added all those ingredients together to make something really exciting. Both of you are from Adelaide. And so um, I think as Melbournians in the room, we're sitting here going like, okay, cool. What's the last two years been as far as being able to bring the community together, right? Um, what is what have the last two, or not like so much this year, because this year it's, we've kind of evened out in some mm. capacity, some sense. Um, over the, the previous two years, what was it like trying to, um, I mean, A, get by, but B, also entertain and inform and, and bring people together in the way that you do through the shows, Grief Lightning, and you're all invited to my son Samuel's fourth birthday party. <laughs> you got it. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think for starters, it's changed the way we make work. Um, mm. So Grief Lightning, yeah, as I said before, um, by necessity was a solo show created on PowerPoint in a bedroom, you know, like, um, you know, I didn't even have enough space to rehearse. So I was like, cool, I'll make the show on PowerPoint. I'll plan everything around where these custom animations are like zinging and zapping. And then I'll just put my body in it when we get into the theater. 
Um, so yeah, this sort of strange, unexpected connection with PowerPoint, I think kind of came out of the pandemic. And also being alone with the internet. Um, Grief Lightning's a very internet-based show. It's a show about a very isolated character who's becoming obsessed with a Reddit theory. Um, so I feel a lot of COVID um, in the creation of that show. Um, and then also just like cancellations, like uh, it was, uh, you know, it got up and then it, it, we had another run, but then that got postponed and sort of having to sort of work and like flip on the dime um, just to get it up and get it down and get it up again. Um, but like kind of what that process did for me is really just emphasize how valuable it is when we actually do get together. Like those moments where we have like a couple of shows or people could be in the room and we could do it safely um, just felt like religious almost, um, not in a bad way. Um, it, yeah, it was just so beautiful to have people in the room understanding the content and like connecting with each other once again, you know, to have like our people around us was really, really wonderful. Um, and then over and above that, um, getting into live streaming was um, a really helpful thing that came out of uh, the pandemic. Uh, so we have a live stream of Grief Lightning now. I've got it professionally filmed, which is really good, um, both in terms of, kind of pandemic proofing it and also making it more accessible. And how about yourself, Caitlin? Because I don't want to necessarily implicate you here, but you've worked on <laughs> um, a number of festivals, a number of different... Um, I, I, my understanding is you've, you've worked with Feast in varied ways over the years as well. Um, I, I guess, what was it like for you? And, and I guess, what have you taken away from that period as we're coming back into closer and closer to full swing of events in, in in much the same way we did prior to 2020 yeah it's been journey of the better word um particularly because like i'm just trying to remember that kind of first run of grief lightning and thinking back to fringe 2021 in adelaide and that was a time where like adelaide was quite fortunate enough where like our covid cases were low we were able to do back-to-back -back shows um and then thinking about this year's fringe with samuel and like our borders had opened up, COVID was rife, and like I think we cancelled the first week of shows because I was a close none contact. Yeah, yeah, you were a close contact. I was a close contact for another reason, and it, we had sort of similar things happen with a run of free lightning in April as well in Adelaide. Um, and I think it's just really nailed down that ultimately, like we want to be making art, we want to be creating stories, and we want to bring people into those spaces, but we are can't do that without us being safe mm. and I think it comes down to this place of knowing that like Mary is safe and so is yours and our artists and our audiences and if it comes down to a line where it's like actually we can't do the show because it's not safe then that is the cost of that um particularly around not only COVID but also opening that up to like mental health and physical illness and all this kind of stuff and I think the last three years have really put those things on a higher scale to be like, actually, we need to think about this and we can afford to. And even if we can't, those are the ultimate things. Um, yeah, it's this scary little thing where it's like, actually, you shouldn't be dying for your art. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Um, yeah. But then it's also like, yeah, as Mary said, created a space where like we can focus more on accessibility and how to bring people in and look at storytelling in a way that is a little bit different and kind of plays and invites people back into the space as well, feeling safe. Mm. You yeah. were talking about pandemic proofing, um, like how you had uh, Grief Lightning 
like mm. professionally filmed now. Do you feel like, and feel free to speak to this sort of like more anecdotally as well, mm. that mm. that is, or that has affected the kinds of shows that are coming out after the last while where people are, are like making considerations for increased accessibility because that was obviously a huge plus during that period of time mm-hmm. where people were able to go to like all of these different experiences and and live that in a way that they may not have been able to previously whether it's through something like captioning or you know like any number of other ways right do you feel like those are like more considerations are being made in light of that now yeah yeah i think that there was there was a rise and fall. Like, I think, you know, while the pandemic was happening, obviously there was all of this live streaming. And I think it has started to drop off a bit again, which is a shame. Um, and I think what it has done, though, is it's shown us that we can do it. Like, I think before the pandemic, I was like, oh, I could never afford to live stream the show. There's like microphones, there's cameras, you got to have an operator. But like when you have to do it, like whether that's your only option, you have to do it. And so that was a really valuable exercise for me in kind of facing up to the fact that it is possible. And um knowing now that that is something I have the capacity to do going forward. Um, and, you know, funding is always an issue, but I think it is something that we should be working to keep in our arts community um, for the purposes of access going forward. Yeah. yeah, I think it's also something that you will probably see independent artists pushing for more because we're directly in conversation with the people who benefit the most from it, mm. whereas your kind of bigger companies um, can almost look the other way, even though they're the ones with the resources to be able to do it. But it's really the independent spaces that are like, no, this is the community of everyone and this is the artistic thing that we need. We've got to keep pushing this. If people are keen to find out more about uh, Grief Lightning or you're all invited to my son Samuel's fourth birthday party at Melbourne Fringe, where can they go? Can they head to the Melbourne Fringe website. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you look up Samuel, it'll be on that pops up, same with Grief Lightning, or you can head to Papermouth um, theatre on all social media on Instagram and Facebook where you'll see some pretty cool trailers for both of the shows um, or you can also just show up at the Trades Hall because both shows are there Griff opens up on Saturday the 15th and Samuel's already running so you can come along buy a last minute ticket and see the show very exciting uh, Caitlin and Mary thank you very much for chatting with us on Well 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 thank you for having us Thanks for listening to Well, 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 supported by Thorn Harbour Health on Joy and the Community Radio Network. For more LGBTIQ plus health and wellbeing and much more, check out Thorn Harbour on social media at Thorn Harbour or via the website thornharbour.org. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.